Congregation, if you can grab your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 92. Psalm 92, verses 1 through 2. Beloved, hear now the word of the Lord. Psalm 92, verses 1 through 2. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the Almighty God, and as the Almighty God, you have given your people your written word. We humbly come to you now to ask that you bless this time we have this morning. May this sermon feed the people of God and cause those who are continuing in their unbelief to turn to you who are full of mercy and full of grace. We rest in the knowledge that you are a loving God and that your word does not return void. Your word is certain and infallible. Your word tells us that by the blood of the Son of God we have been redeemed, and it is in his name, Christ's name, we say, Amen. Now may the Lord add to the reading of his word through the preaching of his word. This morning, I would like for us to consider the topic of thankfulness. I'd like for us to consider the thankfulness we have and should have for the gifts that our Almighty God has given us. As the opening text tells us, it truly is good for us to give thanks to the Lord. It's not out of a place to show thankfulness for the work of other disciples of Christ and to give thanks to God for their work. It's not out of place to show thankfulness for the work of other disciples of Christ and to give thanks to God for their work. This morning, I would like us to consider thankfulness, brothers and sisters in Christ. I will start us off with considering the gifts of grace that are common to everyone by way of a general overview, which will then be followed by a general overview of the special gifts of grace we as believers receive. This will lead us to think about two specific examples of special grace for us to be thankful for. Now may the Lord bless this time that we spend together and may it comfort the hearts of the believers, convict the hearts of unbelievers, and bring, of course, the glory to our King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Almighty God. So let's first consider the common gifts of grace that we ought to be thankful for. Perhaps we have heard the term of common grace used before. They are gifts of grace. They're not limited to the believer, but are given to the unbeliever as well. It describes those gifts which are a benefit both to the redeemed and unredeemed. We read that the Lord Jesus Christ said regarding the Most High that He is kind, that He is kind to the unthankful and evil. That might sound strange to us that the Almighty God shows kindness to the unthankful and evil ones of the world. There may be some that find this to be a pill that's too hard to swallow because the Lord shows love in a way difficult for us to understand. But let's keep in mind, brothers and sisters, 
that without the blood of Christ atoning for our sins, we would be included in this lot of unthankful evildoers. The Lord showed us kindness while we were walking corpses, dead in our sin, before newness, newness of life came upon us. With our renewed minds, we now see those around us who are still dead in their sin, that sin has its weight still upon their necks, and yet we see the same common grace that we benefited from and still benefit from given to them as well. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ also said our, our, about our Father in heaven, about how he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Going hand in hand with our understanding of the Lord's kindness, we also see that in his sovereign providence, he causes his son to rise both on the evil and the good. He also causes his glorious skies to be filled with his beautiful clouds, which he causes to be filled with his precious rain. Yes, the rain is precious, even though we, we've had a few storms. It is a precious thing that comes pouring down at the time he deems for it to come down, to come pouring down. But those who rest solely, but he deems it for it to come upon both those who rest solely on the name of Jesus and those who have yet or may never do the same is because the rain is a common gift from God. The sun being God's creation shines and the rays of warmth touches the face of the believer and the unbeliever. When we are talking about common grace in general, it helps us to understand the divisions or categories of said grace. So some faithful brothers to the church, to the bride of Christ, have distinguished three categories of this common grace. Let me give you the rundown real quick. The first being the universal common grace, which is a grace that extends to all creatures. Think of the very air we breathe and the earth we walk on being examples of that universal common grace. The second category is general common grace, which is a grace that applies to all mankind. We already talked about the rain and the sun, about how that's a benefit for plants and whatnot, but, we've already, but they are both a gift of grace from the Lord for mankind as well as all creation that needs such things to grow food. General common grace. And then the third, the last, the last category is called covenant common grace. What is that? Covenant common grace is a grace that is common to all those who live in the sphere of the covenant. Think about our, our children congregation. Think about those that we take care of in our house. While they may or may not become members of the Bride of Christ, don't they still benefit from being in a home of parents that aim to live according to the will of God? They still benefit being in a household of believing parents. 
For example, they are blessed to be in a home that does not worship false gods, but serves the Lord God Almighty. With those three, those three divisions of common grace in mind, we can zoom out and look at the multitude of gifts that we are all commonly receiving. What makes it even more profound is that when we live examined lives, praising the Lord for what we receive from Him and still not cover the entirety of His grace. We can live a life that is examined and spend our days going, this is a gift of God, this is a gift of God. And then when we die, we realize we haven't even touched the surface on every gift that the Lord has given us. It would be like us taking a cup, going to the middle of the ocean, drawing a cup full of its water and saying that I have now caught the entirety of the sea and all of its depths in this little cup. Consider, brothers and sisters in Christ, that these gifts of grace are not just common in the sense that they are for the believer and the unbeliever, but in the other sense of the term common, they are so abundant, that they are so common that we cannot help but see his grace being given all around us. That is how common this common grace is brothers and sisters in Christ. But let us look at the special grace. Moving on, after this general look through common grace, let's now consider a common or general view overview of special grace. While common grace could be seen as that which is both given to both the believer and the unbeliever, when we consider special grace... We are talking about those things which are given specifically to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. The benefactors of the Lord's special grace are those who have eternal life through Jesus Christ. While God's reign may hit the crops of the just and the unjust, we cannot say the same regarding matters of salvation. Special grace is the grace by which God redeems, regenerates, and sanctifies his people. What makes it distinct from common grace is that it is drenched in the blood of the Lamb who is Jesus Christ. Common grace can never remove the guilt of sin, nor can it renew the human nature. We need something that is outside of that which is common. Something, something that is special. And it is a gift of grace given to the people of God alone. I'd like for us to look and consider two examples of this special grace. As we look at them I pray that it encourages you more and more to give thanks to the Lord for the gifts we are given, Christian. The first example that I would like for us to consider is the gifts of prepared works that are given to us. 
We read in God's word, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2.10. Christian, have you considered what this text is telling you? You have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Also, that this was not a spur of the moment creation of good works, but they have been prepared for you by the Lord God Almighty for us, for you and I, to walk in. We have been molded and crafted in a way so that we walk in the prepared good works for us. There's a lot for us to be thankful for, is there not? The prepared good works given to us is a precious, a special gift to the Christian. Let us be thankful for them because they are a way for us to show our gratitude to God and honor Him. As believers, we pursue out of gratitude to live in a way pleasing to the Lord because of how thankful we are. And because of how thankful we are, we pursue lives doing what honors Him. Because of how rich a gift we have been given on that hill called Golgotha, we want to strive for a lifetime of reverence to the Lord, who is the author of our amazing grace. Another reason that we ought to give thanks for the good works that have been prepared for us is because of the assurance they provide of the faith inside of us. The Lord tells us in Matthew that even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Take comfort, Christian. It might be weird to say take comfort in a text that is often used to do what? To remove it in our hearts. But take comfort, Christian, that the presence of good works is to provide assurance. Just as an apple grown off the limbs of a tree tell us that the tree itself is not an orange tree, an apricot tree, a plum tree, but an apple tree. So do good works reveal that they are from a good tree. Let's look at the good works that we do and know that we are not even, that they were not even possible concepts in our minds before we came to Christ. People have had experiences where there was an immediate reversal from sins that had plagued them for years when they realized that they were sinners and they came to the foot of the cross. Consider that before you were a believer, there was perhaps very little interest in the Bible, in the gospel, and how you as a Christian and how we as Christians view it today with renewed eyes. 
Truly, let us be thankful of our good works. Let's correctly view our good works. And then the third reason, let us give thanks for our good works, for they may win others to Christ. They may win others to Christ. Matthew records our Lord's words when he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. One of the purposes of our good works is to bring our neighbors to Christ. When we live our lives according to our holy God's will, and our neighbors see that, that is a witness to them of how the Lord took the life of this wretched, depraved sinner and did what? Redeemed him. It shows our neighbors that there is new life within these once walking corpses dead in sin. And where has this new life come from? No one else but Jesus Christ. I want you to think of a man who once had an addiction that destroyed his relationships with family and friends. He then becomes a new believer in the Lord and he has begun to kill the sins in his life before they kill him. The Holy Spirit is snuffing out and dwelling sin and the people around him notice it. It's not a notice of him wearing a sign saying, I'm now a Christian. He's not gloating about it. But they notice the change in this heart of this young believer, new believer. They might be suspicious at first because like many, this has been a road that they might have gone down with other religions before. They thought that this was something that they, an old hat. (coughs) They were suspicious at first, but slowly after time. The suspicion disappears, and they go, that change looks real. How do they see that change is real? They see the light shining through this man by the good fruit coming from the tree. In other words, the prepared good works he has done and currently doing show to those around him that he has now been made alive in Christ. And that's why we ought to give thanks. That we are to praise the Lord that he uses us us in such ways to bring people to him. We ought to rejoice that when we are doing things that are pleasing to the Lord, that he gives us a glimpse and shows us further on down the road that these little things add up, that they are according to his plan. Let's give thanks that we see that there is a blessed assurance found in the good fruit produced through us. 
and have thankfulness that the prepared works are a way for us to give thanks to the Lord throughout our lifetime. Since we are considering the special gifts that the Lord has given his people, let our second and final one that I will mention be the most precious and most gracious gift of all. Let us give thanks for the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is a great comfort and belief for the Christian to remember the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ being shed on the cross. Why is that? First, the precious blood of Christ makes what, congregation? Makes peace for us. Beloved, don't we desire peace? We read in Colossians that the Lord has made peace through the blood of his cross. Understand, Christian, that before you were made alive through Christ, you were at enmity with the Lord God, creator of the universe. Without Christ covering our iniquities, our sin, we would be left alone with said sin to now face, face the wrath of God. Romans reminds us that before Christ, we were, what? Enemies of God. We were once considered to be at odds with He who created us as well as the heavens and the earth. Let that sink in. That we were at odds with He who created everything. But this is not a game or a silly rivalry. This is not a sibling quarrel or something that is friends bickering with one another. This is the sacred author, the sacred creator, but the author of scripture who is God himself writing through Paul that we were once enemies towards him. That before the precious blood of Christ was applied upon us, we were in such a state of sin that we were enemies. With this truth that we find in Scripture, this truth that we are hearing today, does this not very much magnify the precious blood of Jesus? Does it not? It makes, does it not make the truth that peace has been made between the people of God and God himself that much sweeter? I said earlier that peace is something we want and we desire. It is something that seems to be very lost in our day-to-day -day lives. Peace between family members, peace between friends, peace between nations, peace between neighbors across the street. Yet the ultimate peace is between us and God and the person who brought us peace is Jesus Christ. Oh, how sweet the blood of Jesus is.
Let us give thanks for the precious blood of the Son of God because it secured peace with God for us. We ought to also give thanks for the blood of Christ for it obtained this redemption and forgiveness for us. Ephesians 1, 7 reads, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. This, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, is perhaps why we can consider the blood of Christ to be one of, if not the chief gift that we have been given. This redemption through his blood is very much part of the gospel, gospel proclamation. We have been given the precious blood of Christ, which through it there is redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When we hear that, that truth, that we have been given the precious blood of Christ, which through it there is redemption, the forgiveness of sins, let us be thankful and let us show our thankfulness by saying and continuing to say till the day we die the words Amen or Amen to that gospel truth. Let me throw in here Hebrews 10.4. In the book of Hebrews, we read, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. When we are giving thanks for the precious blood of Christ, and think about how through that blood redemption is obtained, let us consider how Without the shedding of blood, there would be no redemption. There was a need for a sacrifice to be given as that was made clear by the sacrificial ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. There was a need for blood to be spilt for the atonement of sins. It was necessary for the God-man to die on behalf of the people of God. Without the precious blood being shed, then there is no remission. There is no redemption. Thanks be to God that it has been spilt. Thanks be to God that the blood of the Lamb is then taken as payment for we who were once slaves to sin, but are now slaves to Christ, which we give the Lord thanks for. If you only had one breath remaining to give thanks with, may it be to give thanks for the blood of Jesus being shed for thee. Oh, to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power, 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 wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Those should all sound familiar to you, right? Because those are the hymns of the church congregation. The hymns of the church congregation reminds us of the power found in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. As we think about this wonderful gift and, and join the chorus of Christian saints, 
that have come, and the chorus of those dead Christian brothers and sisters that came before us, we sing in harmonious rejoicing of this marvelous gift. Let us give thanks to the Lord for being partakers of the benefits found in the blood of Christ. In conclusion, I would like to give you two points of exhortation to consider. First, do not forget that these gifts of grace that we have received are gifts that we do not deserve. If you thought for a moment that the gifts we discussed today are due to you based on merit, then may you repent of such foolishness. Too many believe that they can earn the gifts of the Lord if they just try hard enough. As if more piety meant more grace, more piety meant more of the blood of the Lamb given out. While it is a blessing for us to live lives according to God's will, it does not make God beholden to us to give an extra portion of his grace and mercy. Beloved, to realize that we truly do not deserve such gifts from the Lord, oh, it amplifies the preciousness of the gifts that we have been given. You mean to tell me that I get the precious blood of Christ even though I am a wretch? Absolutely. You mean that to walk in the good works prepared for me provides assurance which I do not deserve? Praise God. Yes, it does. Once we understand that we do not deserve such a bounty of gifts given we can consider the second exhortation, which is that we ought to praise the Lord for such gifts. This has been the main point of this entire sermon. We are given so many gifts from our Lord that we can spend the rest of our lives cataloging them. When we realize what even one of these gifts are, we need to have hearts ready to shout with joy, Thank you, O Lord. We praise you for your continual blessings. Thank you. A question that arises sounds like this. How much praise are we to do that will show enough gratitude for the precious blood and prepare good works that the Lord God Almighty has given? What is the answer to that? How much praise are we to do that we will show that how much praise are we to do that will show enough gratitude for the precious blood and prepared good works that the Lord God Almighty has given? The answer is repent for such foolish thinking for our lives are to be lived drenched in gratitude for all that the Lord has given us. The real question is to ask how can we cease from giving the Lord praise? How could we even stop and hold our breath, hold our words from praising the Lord when we consider how much we are to praise the Lord for? Take heart, Christian, and strive to live such a life. May our numbered days be filled with thankfulness 
and gratitude for all the Lord God Almighty has given us. This morning I've only highlighted just a few of those gifts for why we ought to give thanks. And I pray that it drives you to increase your understanding for what we ought to be thankful, Lord. What we ought to be thankful for. May the Lord bless this message and make it edifying to you all, the saints of the church. Let us now go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the creator and ruler of all things. The whole earth is full of your glory. For we cannot go a second without a reliance on your grace and mercy. You give the believer and unbeliever such common grace that one is left an utter fool when they suggest a Lord that is distant and disconnected from his creation. We who believe and are your people marvel at the continued giving of your gifts to we who do not deserve it. Let us remember our thankfulness to you as we show our thankfulness for, to others. May the Lord bless this time of fellowship that we will have this morning, this afternoon, and it is in Christ's name we say, Amen.